Hey, I'm Jordan. And I'm Ashley. We're the founders of For the Good, a community created to empower and elevate you to live a purpose-driven life. Our mission is to bring light into our world, and to do so, we have learned that it must start with it. We are so glad to have you here with us. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm joined by special guest, Mindy Henderson. She's a motivational speaker, writer, and accountability coach in Austin, Texas. Living life from a wheelchair, the challenges she has overcome have cultivated the very skills in her that she needed to achieve almost every goal she's ever set for herself to achieve great success and now make her uniquely qualified to motivate others. Mindy, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to it. And I just want to share a little bit of a background about how Mindy and I first connected. We are in an inspirational women's group on Facebook together, and I've seen Mindy share her stories throughout the group. And I know that you've always been an inspiration for so many. So I sent you an invite, and, and now we're connected on Facebook, Instagram. So I'm just yeah. really excited to be able to have you join me today. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me, and I'm glad to be connected to you. And to get started, I would love for you to share more about your personal journey and how it led you to where you are today. Sure, that's a big question. So um, um, I can, you know, I, I can get a little bit um, long. So when I'm, especially when I'm telling my story, because I'm so passionate about it. So you know, feel free to interrupt me if you have questions. But um, you know, really, kind of at the the center, the heart of my journey is my disability. And I was um, I was diagnosed when I was only about 15 months old with a condition called spinal muscular atrophy. It's a neuromuscular condition that kind of falls into the same bucket as muscular dystrophy. That tends to be what people are the most familiar with. So um, I was diagnosed um, when I was just an infant. And the story that I'm about to tell you, I obviously don't remember it, um, you know, because I was so small. But at the same time, it's a story that I've just sort of always known you know, growing up and over the course of my life. And, you know, the, when I was diagnosed, we, it, it was a bit of a medical scavenger hunt, honestly, to get my diagnosis. We ended up at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota and I was diagnosed by the head of neurology. So a guy who really knew his stuff. He was an expert in the field, obviously. And he told my parents some really devastating things that day. He told them that I would continue to lose all of my ability to stand and walk, which my parents were already seeing signs of. And they, he also told them that I would lose all of my cognitive function and that I probably would not live to be three. So, you know, my parents asked all the right questions. Was there medication? Was there you know, therapy, anything that could be done. And the answer to all of their questions was no. And, you know, I've always tried to put myself in their position and think about what it must have been like and how overwhelming it must have been to go through something like that. They were in their 20s when this happened, you know, and I think about what I didn't even have kids yet when I was in my 20s, you know, and so trying to process something like that, um, I, I can't even imagine, but they did their best to go home and process the information. And you know, between the two of them, they made a decision. And the decision was that if I were going to leave this planet earlier than they had intended, they wanted to know that they had done everything that they possibly could. My dad had been a pretty serious athlete, was scouted by the football pros, and he knew 
unfortunately, quite a lot about anatomy and physiology and physical therapy. And he started to work with me despite what the doctors had told them. And little by little, I, I started to improve. I started to get a little bit stronger. And really quickly, two out of three of the predictions that the doctors had, of the big predictions that the doctors had given my parents were proven to be untrue. Um, you know, I was, I, I like to put it, I was sentenced to life in a wheelchair um, and have lived my life from a wheelchair. Um, but the other things were, were not necessarily true. And, and, you know, through the course of this story that, like I said, is something that I've always had knowledge of, my parents really became my first examples of hope in what the experts were telling them was really a hopeless situation, you know, and what that did for me, along with a number of other experiences and things, it really kind of set the tone for my life and the journey that I've taken in my life, which has ultimately led me to what I'm doing today, which, which you mentioned, I'm doing motivational speaking, I'm working on a book project, I'm working as a, a health and an accountability coach. So, you know, it's it's been quite a journey with a lot more events and, and side trips on the way here. Um, in fact, I had a 20-year career in high tech before I got into the career that I have now. So um, it's been it's been quite a journey. And what has this adversity taught you along the way? I think what it's taught me is that, you know, and, and I, I do want to go ahead and say this because I know that not all of the people who are listening to this podcast, they may not all have a physical disability. But what I would say about that is that we all experience adversity in our lives. It looks different for all of us. And um, it's, I think it's kind of the common tie that binds or one of them anyway. And I, I think that what adversity and, and my own personal brand of adversity in my life has taught me is that we're capable of a lot more than we think that we are. Um, and I think that our adversity can actually become our biggest advantages in life because of the, the lessons that it teaches us along the ways and the skills that it gives us to navigate things and to cope with the curveballs that life inevitably throws at us, right? Um, so, you know, it, it's taught me a lot, but I, I think the biggest thing is just that from what I've observed in life anyway, I think a lot of us sell ourselves short. And I think a lot of us let obstacles and the answer no get in our way and prevent us from accomplishing a lot of what we want to accomplish. I love that you say that because it definitely shows us how this adversity builds up our resiliency and our character along the way as well. And it shifts the way that we not only view ourselves, but the world around us. And I've learned, you know, through my own experiences that when you step into a season or, you know, something that's more long-term of difficulty, that it really builds you up to be able to meet that next obstacle and say, you know what, I'm capable of this. I'm stronger because of something that I have experienced and gone through. Absolutely. And, um, and you're absolutely right. Each time we go through, it's, it's kind of like a muscle, you know, and over time, just like you said, it makes us stronger and stronger and, and better armed to be able to overcome things that, that, you know, kind of come out of left field all the time. 
I am always inspired by people who transform something that is difficult in their life into purpose. And your story is one that is motivating and empowering for so many different people. And one specific thing that I love is that you shared with me that you have went back to inspire and elevate people at the Conference for Muscular Dystrophy. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that looked like? Yeah, so um, I've got a, a very longstanding relationship with the Muscular Dystrophy Association. In fact, I gave my first speech when I was four for the Muscular Dystrophy Association. They gave me just the, the great honor of representing them as their Texas State poster child when I was about four. And, you know, my job in that was to really be the face of who the Muscular Dystrophy Association was, was there to help and support, um, or, you know, at least one of the faces. Um, and so I got to do things like give speeches and be on local TV shows and meet celebrities and, and, and things like that. And honestly, you know, I'm, I've always been very, very aware that that's not something that all disabled people have um, an opportunity to do. And I think that they should, you know, if not that opportunity, then, then I, my hope for everybody is that they have something in their life that teaches them what it taught me. And that was to, to be a little bit cliche for a second, how to turn lemons into lemonade, you know, something that could have been so negative in my life and really prevented me from living up to my full potential. It taught me that, it, it taught me how to turn it into a positive. It taught me that I had things to say and it taught me the power of telling our stories kind of like you and I were talking about earlier. And, and you know, just the idea that there may be people out there that want to hear what I have to say. Um, and so it was incredibly empowering and like i said i've i've spent a lot of time over the years and into my adulthood um speaking on their their behalf and and teaching people about the organization but you know for a long time i've i've had sort of aspirations of you know an even bigger platform and really speaking at a higher level about the idea of overcoming adversity and learning to navigate adversity well. So that's, that's what I'm fortunate to be doing today. And how big of a part does your mindset have in all of this, the way that you view obstacles in the world around you? I think mindset is everything, honestly, because without the right mindset, you know, if you don't learn to be a positive person, of course, when something negative happens, our, our knee-jerk or emotional reactions are going to be those negative ones because those are the emotions that are inherent to something bad that's happening. You know, it's frustration, it's anger, it's sadness. And so I think that it's important. And one thing that I really try to teach people through telling my own stories is, is the tools and the tricks and the things that I've learned over time to get to a place where it's it's almost more of a second nature kind of a thing um, in terms of how I respond to adversity because as you can imagine I mean all day long I've got adversity showing up in my life you know I drop a pen on the floor and well 
you know, if there's not someone nearby to pick that pen up, then I have to figure out something else to, to help me finish what I was doing. Or, you know, all sorts of things like that that have the potential to turn my day upside down all day long. And so it's been really critical for me to be intentional about sort of rewiring my brain um, to think a certain way. And it's, it's taken years, you know, and I, I do think that even if you're not going through something today, things like gratitude practices, making sure that you're identifying things every single day of your life that you have to be grateful for, really taking time to understand what your values and your priorities as a person are, um, and making sure that you live those things every day and make choices every day that reflect that. And then catching yourself, you know, being intentional about catching yourself when you're having negative thoughts. And instead of grumping around about something, you know, catching that thought and saying, okay, no, you know, this is, this thing is here to teach me something. Let's figure out what that thing is and what I can actually do with this situation. So there are a lot of tools and techniques, but I do think that it takes being very intentional over a long period of time. But if you're willing to put in the work, I think you'll see a shift in yourself. In fact, there's a guy named Sean Aker. He's fantastic. He's an author. He's a researcher. Um, he's actually a happiness researcher. And he taught at, I think it was Harvard, all about the psychology of happiness and he's shown with his research you know just in 30 days time the act of doing gratitude practices you can move the needle in your own mind and take people from scoring as maybe a high level pessimist in 30 days time to scoring as a low level optimist so you know it's very real stuff and it will change over time the way that you think about things and the way that you respond to things which i think is so important um a lot of times what i ask myself is you know okay <laughs> who do I want to be right now? You know, and, and there oftentimes are people, there are people who are watching and there are people who you're setting an example for. Maybe you've got kids, maybe you've got friends or coworkers or, you know, a team at work or whatever the case may be. And you really have to think about, you know, who I want to be in the face of these other people who are watching, who do I want to show up as? Yes. Just so many things you just <laughs> In my mind, I'm thinking, yes, yes, yes. But I may have a little too much coffee. <laughs> no, that's, a lot of these things, you know, Jordan and I talk about through For the Good and in our different platforms and that just about mindset and how important it is to be able to shift your mindset. And yeah. as, you, as you said in the beginning, it's something that needs to be cultivated that sometimes, you know, you're not born a, a positive, happy person. You know, I think maybe people can take a nature maybe one way or the other, maybe depending on their environment, circumstances, mm -hmm. that, but it can be cultivated. And I am a huge fan of gratitude practices in the morning. Every morning I write down, you know, five things that I'm grateful for. Uh-huh, me too. And then throughout the day, you find yourself looking for, you know, different blessings. So it's that awareness, as you mentioned as well. Yeah. And I've heard other people, um, you know, I'm a fan of Rachel Hollis and I've heard her say time and time again, that if you know, you know, if you make it a practice and if you know that every day you're going to have to write down five things you're grateful for, you spend your life looking for things to be grateful for. So there's so much power in it and you're absolutely right. You know, a lot of us 
have awful stories to tell and and terrible things that we've been through that we've grown up in um you know lots lots of um of tragic things happen in our world but i i truly from the depths of my soul, believe that regardless of what you've been through, um, you can make a mindset shift anytime. It's a decision you have to make. It's, a, you know, there's a lot of intention and, and determination and perseverance and consistency that you have to put into it. Um, but it's absolutely 100% possible. And when it comes to sharing your story, how have you found it to be healing for yourself and to be able to enlighten and bring that light and that hope and healing to others along the way. A few things in terms of how it's been healing for myself. I think that again, I've had you know the opportunity to to tell my stories, and in doing that, I've been able to see very real examples of what sharing your story can can do for someone in fact can i tell a quick story go for it yep absolutely so i i actually had the the honor of singing on the national muscular dystrophy telethon in los angeles at cbs studios years ago i went back a couple of i was invited back a few times but the first time that i went about a week later I was at a work conference or a work training and I was sitting at this table listening to the presenter taking notes and there was this guy sitting at the table behind me who was, you know, bless his soul, he was awful. And all day long I was I was distracted by what was coming out of his mouth and he just did not have a good thing to say about anything. At one point and if you know um if you're familiar with the work that the Muscular Dystrophy Association does, they talk about Jerry's kids and, and all of that. And I was sitting right in front of him and he made a comment about Jerry's kids. And he was just, he was, I think he was a very unhappy person. Let me put it that way. And that day at lunch, I was sitting with the instructor and I was telling him about how I'd gone and sung at the telethon. He asked me if I had a video of it. And I did. And so he asked me if I would bring it in the next day and he wanted to show it to the class. So we, we showed it. It was the, the last day of the seminar. And I am not kidding you at the end of, of it was at the, the very end. He ended up closing out the seminar with it. And this guy came up to me, he made a beeline for me and just gave me the biggest hug. And he whispered in my ear, you have changed my life. You know, to, to know that you can have that kind of an impact on somebody is, it makes me want to cry, you know, telling the story. And so for me, it's been healing in the sense that I know that my story has purpose and I know that I'm living my story for the good of others out there who need to see and hear this story, you know? And the other thing that I'll say is I mentioned that I'm working on a book project and I've been interviewing a lot of people for this book um, that have had just incredibly varied kinds of stories of adversity that they've lived through. Everything from abuse to cancer to lost jobs to you name it. And every single one of them, one of the big themes in talking to them has been that so often we keep our struggles private and we don't talk about what we're going through in our personal lives. And that 
and, and that they did that very thing. But the moment that they started to share, that they reached out for help, that they told someone their story or what they were going through, the weight that lifted off of them was, was huge. And they learned that they were not alone more than anything else. And, you know, they had spent all of this time feeling isolated and ashamed maybe of what they were going through. And as soon as they started to share, they realized that there was no need to feel alone or to feel ashamed because all of us walk through such similar journeys and we should all be here supporting each other. It is incredible the transformation that you find within yourself when you open up and you share your story in this space. Because as you mentioned, there's so many people walking their journey, feeling alone in what they're experiencing. Right. It, it, it is powerful because when we go out into this world and we share our story, no matter what that looks like, there's somebody out there who can say, me too, that they can relate to it. And it creates a bigger space for people to really create those deeper and more meaningful connections with one another. So true. So true. Um, I'm trying to remember a quote that Brene Brown, Brene Brown works a lot with, you know, talks, of course, a lot, a lot about shame and vulnerability. And the thing that gets me about these stories is the shame that people feel over them. And the quote of hers is something like, we should never be made to feel shame for the, the mere fact of having been human, you know? And it's, it's all just part of the, the human experience is going through these difficult things. And honestly, when I hear someone's story of adversity and something that they've successfully navigated the way through, or that maybe they're in the trenches right now battling and fighting against, all I see is bravery and courage, you know, and that is surely nothing to be ashamed of. Whenever I think about different people, you know, in the space of like Oprah Winfrey or Steve Harvey, Jim Carrey, all of these different people, you know, where they are today, it is amazing to me to really read their backstory and see what brought them into that space. And it, oh, and it yeah. doesn't have to necessarily be a celebrity, but just everyday people doing everyday things and how they've overcome and conquered you know, really difficult times. It is empowering to know that we are all capable of this healing and bringing hope into our world. It is, it is. And you hear people so often say, you know, you hear one of these really extreme stories of something that somebody's been through and say, oh, I could never do that. I could never have, have handled it like her, like him, like them. But you absolutely could have. And, you know, one of the things that I like to say is, you know, what's the alternative? You know, because you either take a step forward and you work your way through it or you sit in the corner crying for the rest of your life. And I don't know a lot of people who necessarily make that choice. Um, and frankly, it doesn't, you know, if you look at those two options, it doesn't look like much of a choice to me. And most of us have other people in our lives, have people that we're taking care of, we have, have jobs or responsibilities or whatever. And so um, for a lot of us, you know, that, that, that second option really isn't an option. And so what choice do you have? but to get through what you're going through. And so I think, you know, it's exactly like what you just said. I think that until we're faced with it, a lot of us just don't know what we're, what we're capable of pulling off. And that bleeds over into our dreams and our goals too. You know, it's not just, you know, I think adversity is a great example to see the stuff that you're made of and to see what you're capable of. And I encourage everybody, you know, kind of like I said, 
earlier, our biggest adversity can turn into or become our biggest advantages because of the characteristics that they build up in us. And so pay attention to what you've gotten through and what's gotten you through it and put that to work in the goals and the dreams that you have for your life. And Mindy, I also want to dive a little bit more into your story that you shared with me. You said that you had a successful trip to one of the least wheelchair accessible countries on the planet, and that's China, to adopt your daughter. Yeah. I'd love to hear more about your adoption journey and what brought you into that space. Trying to think how far back to start, but, you know, being a mom was, was always in the plan. You know, it was, it was something, you know, I grew up in this family that, you know, they expected the same of me as anyone else. You know, I was never treated like a person with a disability. And I think because of that, and because of some of the other experiences that I've had that I've talked about, you know, I always just sort of grew up assuming that my life was going to be like anybody else's, that I would graduate from high school, go to college, get married you know, be a mom, all of the traditional things that people think about when they look ahead in, you know, in their, in their, their lives. And so it was always something that I wanted, that I planned on with my physical condition. Um, having children biologically wasn't an option. So I always kind of knew that adoption would be the way that we would go. And after my husband and I had been married for a couple of years, we started talking about having a family and we explored all of our options. I'm not kidding you. Um, if there was a stone, we turned it over. And, you know, we, we kept coming back to Chinese adoption. It was just something that we were drawn to. And so we found found the agency that was the absolute experts in Chinese adoption. They happened to be in Austin, Texas, where we lived. And so we went to an information night and we came away from there feeling like we, we wanted to adopt a child that was at least four or five years old. We were looking for an older child. And so with that in mind, we came away from that information night knowing that our daughter was in China. You know, we were that certain and we felt it in our hearts with that much passion. And so we got to work filling out all of the paperwork and filling out our application, um, which was promptly denied. <laughs> and, you know, I, I was sitting, it was interesting because I think that we knew, you know, that my, my disability would be questioned that they would want to make sure that I had the skills and the capabilities to parent a child, which I absolutely 100% knew that I did. But I don't think that we ever thought for a second that it was gonna be just outright denied. And, and it, was, it was a surprise. And I was in my office that day when that phone call came in and I ended up, leaving work. I was so upset. I cried for a few hours. I called my mom and I cried with her for a few hours. And then, you know, your, your, your emotions go through these cycles, I think. And I really started to get mad and I started to have these thoughts of, you know, they know me on paper. They don't know me. They don't know what I've overcome. They don't know what my life looks like, the life that I've architected, and the life that I've fought so hard for, 
And so I got a hold of someone else at the at the uh, adoption agency that we had met on that night, and basically, you know, I I just said to her, you know, there's there's got to be there's always something that somebody can do, you know. And so she and I and the owner of the adoption agency actually worked together for about the next 10 months to wrangle <laughs> the the government of China into saying yes. And, you know, we, we did paperwork after paperwork. We had letters written um, from coworkers, doctors, friends, family, everybody we could think of, and finally got them to agree to say yes. And, you know, I, I didn't believe it until I was on the plane headed for Beijing. Um, but it was it was one of the most rewarding and magnificent accomplishments of my life. And I would do it a thousand times over to have the daughter that I have now. But to your point, we, we found ourselves, you have to go and spend two weeks in China um, to make the adoption happen. And you, we had to hop between, I think, three different cities. Um, and air travel is challenging for me on top of being in a country that just is not wheelchair accessible. Um, and so I pretty much, you know, you think of it in terms of, um, you know, you've already lost the use of your legs and you're in a wheelchair and, and then you get to a place that's so inaccessible and it's almost like your wheels have been taken away from you too. You know, it's just, you, you feel so kind of landlocked and, and any ounce of, in, of independence that I had was, was just kind of gone. So it was, it was a challenging trip. It was an amazing trip. And again, I would do it again in a heartbeat. And it, it was every ounce of awful and amazing, as you can imagine. What an amazing story. And how old is your daughter today? Today, she's actually 19. And how long has she been in your family? So we, uh, we adopted her when she was five. So, um, and oh my gosh, she was the most stinking cute thing, little girl you've ever seen in your life. Um, still is today. She's incredible. She's just the love of my life. And um, she just finished her first year of college and I'm super duper proud of her. So um, it's been a fun journey getting to be her mom. That is so exciting. And it's such a, it sounds like not only is it a blessing for her, but a blessing for you and your husband as well, just to be able to bring what you wanted to life and to be able to meet her, I'm sure was just an incredible experience when you first saw her and you knew that she was going to be coming home with you. Oh my gosh. It was, you know, I spent a lot of time leading up to the trip thinking about, you know, her being five and thinking about how scary it must be for her to have these strangers showing up to take you on a plane across the ocean to a country that you don't know where they speak a language that you don't speak. And, you know, and so I was very, very aware of that. And I was, I was kind of, I think, prepared for just about any reaction when we met her, but they, they brought her that morning to our hotel um, and she was down in the lobby and it was almost like meeting a celebrity, you know, we, because I, we had worked on this for so long and I'd known about her for so long and I'd had her pictures and things. And we went down the elevator and the elevator doors open and I spotted her right away. And I just, you know, every part of my body tingled and the hair stood up and I was like, there she is, you know, and she had such a warm 
reception for us. I, we, we had a guide while we were there um, who taught me how to say, I'm your mommy in Chinese and Mandarin. And I said that as an icebreaker and the whole room just erupted in laughter. I think I must have said something very wrong, um, but it made her laugh. And next thing I knew, she was on my lap and we were, you know, hugging and, and my husband was coloring with her. And it was, it was just, it was amazing. I am so glad that you shared that story with us as well, because it is definitely something that can relate to so many different people navigating them. So not only, Mindy, are you serving your purpose, talking about, you know, muscular dystrophy, but also adoption as well. It is like these, as we mentioned, these stories that can really relate and connect and form these deep connections with people. So thank Absolutely. you. No, thank you for the opportunity. And Mindy, where can people find you on social, your website, or anywhere that they can connect with you further? Yeah, so my website is Mindy Henderson Speaks. Dot com and um, you can reach out to me there, send me a message, whatever you like. Um, I'm on Instagram. My handle is the same, actually. It's Mindy Henderson Speaks. And then on Facebook, you can just find me under Mindy Henderson. So I would love to hear with you or connect with you any of those places. And Mindy, I would love for you to leave us with an empowering thought or an affirmation that you repeat to yourself that can really empower those listening. The first thing that comes to mind is, I think it's got, it's got to be my favorite quote. Um, it, a, a woman named Mandy Hale said it, and the quote is, it's okay to be scared. Being scared means you're about to do something really, really brave. And I, I love that. It gives me goosebumps every time that I hear it because, you know, like we've been saying all along, everybody goes through difficult things. Everybody gets scared. But the point is that you do, you're do you doing something brave. And I would take being labeled as a brave person any day of the week. So I think that's one of the highest compliments that you can pay anybody. So, you know, go out there and do things that make you scared. Just know that you're going to follow it up with, with the brave action. Mindy, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. I know that your words, your story is going to be such an incredible and empowering thought and just to really empower and elevate people. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Mindy's mission is to move and inspire people to realize when they take responsibility and own their adversity, they become better, stronger people and their potential is revealed. Mindy helps people see how to live more productively and positively to roll with the punches and stop making excuses. Thank you again for joining me today, Mindy. I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you as well. Thanks for joining us at the For the Good podcast. We would love to connect with you. Join us on Facebook and Instagram at For the Good Official and our blog at ForTheGood.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Remember, a positive mindset is the beginning of true happiness, not just for the good of the individual, but for the good of the world.